Kiara, um, this is Pip. Hello. Um, I'm just popping in before um, we start the episode with a um, public uh, announcement. I don't know what you call it. Public safety announcement. I don't know. Anyway, um, so this episode, episode 52, it was um, it was um, recorded at the Liquid Pop-Up venue, which is um, thanks to Te Ao Aha. Um, it's a big yellow container. Um, you can find it on Jack Elliott Green in the Civic Square. Um, and Vic Books are there, and there's also Coffee Supreme. My goodness, what a good way to spend the afternoon. Um, now, um, because it was recorded outdoors, um, the sound quality is not the best. There is a little bit of um, like wind blowing and quite a lot of traffic but I thought in the um what would you call it in the spirit of lit crawl you know that kind of rush and yeah and whoa um I thought I would just put it out and you can listen to it and um you can maybe fast forward past the um slightly um post noise Swedish um band kind of sounds or you can just like listen through it anyway it was an amazing conversation we had a lot of fun um um, on Tuesday the 7th of November, that's 2017, um, for Time Travellers, um, at 12.30 at the pop-up, you can hear a lunchtime performance um, by the the wonderful performer Sebastian Morgan Lynch will be there. It's totally free, you can sit outside, listen to beautiful music and beautiful words and yeah, have a lovely, lovely time. So that is tomorrow at 12.30pm, or it might be today, it depends whether I've got this up or not. And now my dog's barking. It's very not professional here. Anyway, I hope you really enjoy this podcast. Thanks so much. Kia ora and welcome to this episode of Better Off Red. My name is Pip Adam and I'm here with Kerri Ann Lee. How are you, Kerri Ann? Oh, hello. Uh, I'm, I'm well, thanks, Pip. That's really good. We're um, standing in a crate. We are at the Te Oaha um, crate out here um, celebrating Lip Crawl. Um, we are in a park and there is a um, big sculpture of what are the rugby men? Men, rugby men, rugby men. Um, I am very grateful to Lit Crawl for helping us out with um, this today, and I'm very grateful that you're here, Carrie Ann Lee, you wonderful, wonderful person. Um, I was going to try and um, do a bit of an introduction, and I was thinking that what I might do is be narcissistic and introduce you um, as I've met you. So, yeah. Please. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, um, I think the first time I saw you, you get, were giving an amazing talk on fanzines at a colloquium at, up at university, and I thought, she's awesome. And then the next time I met you was at um, a benefit concert for an anarchist press um, in Newtown. That was an amazing night. Mm. And um, we kind of had a chat, and you talked to me about Porirua People's Library, and I thought that sounded like the most incredible thing I'd ever heard of. And you asked if I wanted to be involved, and I thought all my Christmases would come at once. And we had a lot of fun doing that. And then since then, we've sort of, I mean, I've loved watching your work. And of course, um, we've worked together. Well, it wasn't really together, but I'm very grateful because you um, designed um, the cover of my book. And I'm very, very grateful for that because I think the cover is way better than the book. Um, so, and it just, it's just such a beautiful book. And um, it was a really huge moment for me because sort of like um, to be seen in that way was quite amazing so thank you very much for that because um, yeah you're amazing but we are not here to talk about me oh, I think it's you know this is thanks so much for the invitation to come and, and have a chat with you in such a um, 
yeah amazing sort of events away uh and yeah the you know just really um, delighted to be able to um yeah be part of this um celebration and and also contribute to um better off red um yeah just uh, again just the work that you've been doing with your, your writing practice has just been um you know something of interest as well and also feeling like my my practice kind of works a little bit alongside or outside of um maybe conventional literary circles that it's really lovely to be invited in and um, engage in such a way and um, yeah collaborate in a few different instances which has been really really fun it's so great to have you here like it's just it's just marvelous now what we are going to talk today um about is um a, it is a collaboration is it is it okay to talk about it as a collaboration fruits in the backwater um so um this is a how do you call this do you call this a book or is it a program to go with the art, the exhibition or how do, how do you think about it? Okay, so uh, what Pip's talking about is my current exhibition, solo exhibition at Pataka Museum in Pararua and it's in the main gallery. It consists of three parts. There is the publication which we're um, talking about today. There's also um, a large scale installation and a series of light box works. So the publication component, um, it's interesting because it is uh, a collaborative um, piece uh, in, the, in the conception and design, um, as well as the content. Um, but it also sort of operates in a, a few different spaces because it uh, works as a, a gallery publication, a catalogue. Um, it also brings on board sort of uh, more inventive self-publishing um, modes as well. So. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about because it does sort of um, uh, move between quite a few different different formats. Mm. Yeah, because it is kind of interesting because like um, we do, I think in my brain there are these silos, um, and I think that a work like this kind of works across all those silos, and it's kind of even indicative of the people that are inside the covers. You know, like we've got people from all over um, different parts of the publishing and you know like um, art, artistic creative world so yeah it's kind of great can you talk a little bit about how this part of the exhibition came about how how the um, booklet came about okay well the publication it's uh, well it's a sort of massive <laughs> undertaking in some ways to sort of um, locate yourself in a big project and for me this was the conceptual cornerstone of the visual exhibition. So I started with the publication and to really work out a positioning or a conceptual framework for the art uh, generation, I really felt um, there are a few things at play here. Uh, this year being my 20th year of um, independent publishing, and I kind of wanted to do something that was in this, the spirit of uh, the work that I've been doing. So um, creating spaces through independent publishing for other writers and um, publishers to kind of, um, yeah, sort of be active and, and contribute. So there was sort of, as much as it was to present the ideas in the show, and there was sort of a, a sort of segues out of being a traditional catalogue because it was, um, I was developing the work while I was creating this, this piece. So I collaborated with um, Stuart Forsyth, who's the designer at Pataka, the in-house um, graphic designer. And he was amazing in terms of um, myself being a graphic designer and, and book um, maker. Um, so 
sort of sharing that um, process with another creative uh, who could interpret my ideas and my aesthetic into a different model and give a bit of pushback as well. So that was really um, engaging and good. And um, inviting a selection of uh, people I've had long-term communications with over many years. So people I've worked with collaboratively, really close friends, um, spanning that time of 20 years, both in New Zealand and um, internationally, um, to respond to some of these ideas and provocations about um, the show, which is Fruits in the Backwater, uh, specifically Aotearoa, New Zealand. Uh, what does it mean to operate in the kind of, um, the backwater is the third space, this kind of rich, um, weird, uh, uncomfortable, but generative space, um, geographically where we are, but being quite um, sort of outward looking and um, over the time I've been working, um, oscillating back and forth between um, working internationally and here in New Zealand, so sort of coming back home after being away in Europe um, over um, yeah, the, the sort of period before this was made, I had this kind of this kind of impetus to draw on that experience of going, well, why do we keep looking to Europe and the United States and the sort of this other side of the world for what goes on when there's already some pretty pretty juicy great stuff happening here? There's this celebration of that and just an enunciation of that visually and through prosaic kind of um, publishing efforts was kind of yeah seed. I was just thinking. Sorry to jump in. I always jump oh, in. Sorry, it's my it's my um, <laughs> it's my crack cocaine. Um, I, I one of the things I really love about this publication and the work itself is that um, it's something that I heard. Um, it was actually an Australian guy talking about how often we measure ourselves by how we, you know, in Australia, Australian artists will see how they measure up compared with. You know, overseas, you know, we'll say, oh, it's, you know, it's done really well in America, or, uh, you know, it's almost as good as X. And I just really love, especially your manifesto that's at the front of the book, you know, this idea that, um, this idea of islands and this idea of being in these marginalized, well, not marginalized, what was that great word you taught? That third space, yeah, like of being in that space and working in there. I was wondering, how would you feel about reading the manifesto? Oh, uh, I seldom really have chances to read out loud, but if I can indulge. Yeah, <laughs> indulge. Okay. <laughs> well, in the spirit of Lit Crawl. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, this is called an, an Anywhere Island Manifesto. Islands are imaginary sites of isolation. They are distant repositories of raw dream rubble. We live on the edge of the earth inside damp cardboard boxes. Here is a point of tension, of longing to be somewhere else, anywhere but here. Like the tides that shape our coastlines, our energies attract and repel and bend in towards one another, generating nuclear-free power for small towns and villages. Indigenous and offshore traditions are kept, practiced and shared to varying degrees, yet we welcome distraction from elsewhere. Status anxiety and touristic cringe content is lingua franca. We leave our comments online like digital snail trails. What we gather from scratch and the quiet conversations we have offline shake the soil into brilliant formations, yet are overlooked when constantly gazing out into bright screens and away from here. Islands are real sites for independence. They are places to get shit done. 
We live in the margins, a point for outreach and connection. The DIY spirit is here and is different from its megacity cousin across the Dateline, subsisting on supersized 24-7 convenience store convenience. Island life is not easy. We have clean air, space, time and freedom to make our own paradise. Waves of colonisation have made the ground uneven for indigenous migrants, settlers and everyone in between. This lumpy island should make, ideally make us closer, more sensitive and more fearless. We are all misfits with enough resources and know-how between us to germinate nuclear visions. Land, history and ourselves, anything is possible. Unexpected bounty washes up on these shores and is all around us if we look long enough. We have power here. Man, I just so love that. I'm going to give you applause. <laughs> I just, yeah, oh my goodness, it's so good. Um, and I love that idea of, um, it reminds me sort of of this idea that I heard a little while ago is that sometimes as, um, you know, from a Western eye, the oceans look like distance and look like, you know, like keeping us away from things. But also the, you know, the oceans, if you think back to history, you know, the oceans are actually the freeways and they bring things to us and they're actually our access points. And, you know, in this way, our isolation becomes sort of not by, you know, we're not isolated or connected. We're kind of in this great space. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really like about this idea of communication back and forth is the way that you often make the means of communication part of the work itself. And mm -hmm. there's a conversation in here between you and MS, and um, it's it almost starts with a failing of communication, you know, and like, but that becomes part of the work, which is really interesting. Can you talk a little bit maybe about that piece? Oh, okay. Uh so the, the piece you're, you're mentioning is uh, a conversation I had with a friend on uh, Skype where the sound dropped out and uh, we'd been failing to tee up this appointment to catch up for a long time, probably over a year, a year and a half, a couple of years. So we were really excited to catch up and the sound dropped out. And so there's talks about frustration about that and so we ended up um, taking over the instant message component of uh, Skype. So what happens with Skype if you use it regularly, you can actually have the whole conversation recorded mm. um, through typing. So we were trying to, uh, it was like instant messaging, um, sort of chatting. Uh, and so the dialogue came up around covering a lot of lost ground for the time that we hadn't seen each other, um, what was going on in our relative lives, um, how we felt about where we were. Um, it was on that while I was making this, so it kind of I didn't actually think it was going to be for anything other than to, uh, communication, but after it was recorded on Skype, I went back and was like, holy shit, we've covered like a whole lot of stuff that um, maybe other people might find interesting. So yeah, I went through and um, you went through quite, quite an editing process, <laughs> which is what happens when you do live transcripts. Uh, and uh, yeah, there was, you know, because there's a lot of fluff as well, but you get to the core and the juicy bits and um, yeah thinking about w we're both artists working in different states of isolation uh, or remoteness she's in New Mexico in Santa Fe um, yeah her concept of where she is working uh, creatively and remotely is very different from here and quite often my work likes to um, have those conversations with others um, in these kind of different places so mm. that's what this dialogue is about because mm. yeah. that is another thing I was going to ask you about is this the fact that there are conversations almost from all over the world and from 
Um, oh, God. Oh, I hope I don't say this the wrong way, but just what I really like about it is that it, your work often challenges me to think about what it is to be a New Zealander, you know, especially some of the work you've done with, um, you know, New, Ze well, New Zealand artists, what it means to be a New Zealand artist, you know, because there's been some amazing stuff with people that are, you know, living a long way away and in very yeah. different places and doing very different things. And I just wonder if you, what, and again, sorry, I'm just going to throw this in, but another thing that I think is interesting is that normally we think of those relationships being kept up through technology, but often you will manipulate these technological relationships into something paper and concrete and that sort of thing. And I just find that really interesting, especially with the conversation with MS, because... Um, you know, like you, you, you keep in some of the fluff, which I think is really, really nice. You know, there are bits where, you know, you're half a sentence behind her or she's half a sentence behind you and you're sort of answering questions that were asked. You know, I just, yeah. it's really great. But I just wonder, you know, it, I don't know, can you just talk about this idea of sort of bringing in artists from all over? Yeah. Okay. There's a few different issues at stake yeah, here. That was a bad I, question. No, no. It's triggered a whole lot of things. So thank you very much for that. Um, as well because um yeah it's i mean it's a bit curly um issue in terms of like you know sort of how do you respectfully um explore issues of cultural identity because it's just it's such a thing that's so readily on people's kind of um, radar here in new zealand it's this you know very ingrown generational <laughs> understandings or um i don't know it's it's this kind of um, the backwater is a really right place for exploring these things and I kind of use that as a euphemism to um, push through those ideas. Um, for me in particular with that communication with MS and also um, where I work with publications and visual art, um, I was talking to the um, Helen Heath um, publishing students at um, Whetereke before. Um, around um, a lot of the stuff was happening before Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my sort of interest and foray into um, self-publishing and zines. Um, so a lot of those foundations um, for communication didn't necessarily rely on technology, but through mm. correspondence. Mm. So there's those kind of aspects about um, outreach and connection points through writing and publishing. And also because of the strand of um, the context of the visual art show, to bring people into the moment to engage with work and communicate visually. Mm. Um, so where words, the, with the, the edge of things, where words um, stop the limitations. Um, for example, if I'm working internationally, uh, you know, in, in China or in Mexico, um, I, my uh, knowledge of Mandarin, Chinese or Spanish is very poor, so that's where visual communication for me picks up or some of those forms or translation. So those those kind of um, forms of translation for me is, is multimodal and also um, cross-disciplinary against sort of um, visual and, and text. Mm. Yeah. You talk about like these sort of, this, this early career and you know, I mean, it's so interesting to me that as, as a visual artist, you should come to publishing I don't know why is it I don't know that's a stupid thing to say but I mean I think it is really interesting and this idea that it was zines that sort of started it off can you d is there anything you can tell me about your early you know I mean I don't know oh. did it, I mean I didn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't ask you about that before yeah. I'm just wondering yeah, you know like cool. how, how did you like how does someone move into suddenly thinking I want to make you know I want to make a 
a, a paper publication that I can hand to people, you know, like, yeah. Okay, uh, I guess my early interest was uh, in, my, in my late teens around um, being involved with uh, independent music, culture, subcultures, um, through the anarchist punk scene, like quite often that um, zines and um, independent publications were used to connect these communities of interest around politics or music. And so th there was already a kind of space for that um, creatively, it was kind of, um, yeah, just sort of operating in that space and creating a, a sort of like a claiming space with that. Uh, and then I guess like it's really interesting like in recent years that there's been, um, you know, I guess the, the audience and interest has grown around that to the point that we have things like um, the zine fests have, um, have become what they are, the lit crawl, um, the fact we have um, artists book fears now or that wasn't a thing mm. um, there's an interesting kind of um, interest or reinvigoration of that through um, yeah a few different areas from literary circles to visual art um, sort of practicing visual artists who trained as artists I mean I went through design school um, worked as a commercial designer um, so sort of, I guess my foray into sort of visual art and um, public shows and, and work has been sort of yeah the past decade or so so there's been people practicing and then sort of come into it at different stages so everyone has a really different approach mm. so for me it's always been a quite a communicative um, device um, sometimes it you know sort of blooms into something very visual and tactile sometimes it's quite um, yeah document based as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, that was, that's the other thing that I always associate with you and um, I don't know, I, I wonder if it is our shared politics that I do find it so attractive. <laughs> but um, this idea of sharing, you know, like this this idea of, um, what's the right word, like empowering people, you know, that the zine, like at Porirua People's Library, one of my favourite nights was where we all sat down and put together you know publications like we just and you were like oh you can staple it like this or you can do it like that and also like this this collaboration that always seems you know like I I just could listen to you talk about collaboration forever um but I just wonder is do you see this sort of enabling empowering that kind of thing is that part of your practice or is it some kind of is it something separate how does it sit you know like with with your practice I guess I think it draws upon a lot of um, different influences and um, inspirations from lots of people from all over the place and um, how it's manifested in my kind of work I mean sort of growing up with a really strong sort of um, social political um, uh, awareness in the city um, it has kind of gone out into an education space where I and activating stuff through workshops and, and classrooms and um, thinking about bringing on board some of the conceptual and theoretical ideas as well, like cultural positioning. Um, and it's been really interesting, sort of how that could work in a um, studio space as well, like um, we're quite often with, say, design, we're a, a senior lecturer in design at Massey and quite often we're thinking a bit about um, you know, sort of outcome deliverables and. Um, how to interpret briefs and you know to the point of what is your critical positioning in this you know where is the agency amongst you know the, the kind of what's being asked of you um, how do you empower and activate design um, to really go beyond just service providing mm -hmm. to the point that you are really active in a, um, an educational um, consultational kind of model like yeah, I think the idea of the People's Library was really the idea of facilitation, bringing on board lots of different 
our amazing um, writers and um, designers and media makers to share and um, generate and facilitate and make available the resources in person. So the idea that what people kind of, whoever was around at the moment was um, available to engage in face-to-face -face real lifetime, which is different from saying going online and just upskilling and going onto a, a lynda.com tutorial, which is, you know, the default model now that if people are living online so often, it's like, oh, well, here, are, here are the resources that you go to, but it's like, well, maybe there are some resources that are not so transferable readily digitally or that can work in tandem with online. So rather than supplanting it, it's just realizing what's e easily easily achievable in a, a live space. What can we make together? How can we do it? That was such a fun night. Oh my God. And like, I'm just sort of getting, sorry, I'm being totally selfish, but I'm just, I just, I just, uh, my heart just gets big. You know what I mean? Like I just, I, I feel like there is this weird um, hope you know, I don't know. Anyway, oh god, no, I'm oh, gonna start. Sorry. We'll all sing kumbaya. We'll all yeah, hug each other. It's yeah. a valuable thing. I mean, you know, grounded the past few years, especially sort of, you know, the way things are, or the way people have been feeling, you know, nationally, uh, locally. Just a conversation here around um, uh, external factors um, and impact, and how you know, things have always been this kind of cathartic kind of area where people can kind of claim space and you know, as a point of expression or communication. Um, uh, people have got different ways of what that could be. I think it's it's kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I am going to quote back to you something that I don't think you said. I've got a really, <laughs> I've got this really, I, I think I've made this up. I think this might be a lie. But I think I heard you say, and I've been quoting you as well, so, you know, I've been slandering you as well as um, lying. Um, but what I think I heard you say one sure. time was that what often happens is that when, say, three people collaborate, mm. the result is obviously bigger than what the three people could do together, but also it's bigger than what the three people can do together, that, that the act of collaborating mm. brings something brand new, you know, it's almost like having a fourth actor in the in the circle, like a fourth, you know, like force, like, you mm -hmm. know, like gems from Steve and Universe, but yeah. So is that, did I hear you say that or is, is that a total lie? I think I've prattled on about collaboration before, <laughs> to some extent. I can never remember what I say, which is kind of amazing. You, you try and attempt to bring that back. Uh, yeah, I, I do feel like they're um, a really powerful kind of um, residual effects from collaboration that exist and um, are embodied in terms of your own knowledge after producing something for a project mm. like I think it, it's a really interesting relational um, dynamic uh, in terms of what people bring to the party in terms of expectation uh, and also that sort of um, that lovely sliding scale between um, control and um, happenstance, freedom, chaos, whatever you want to call it, like where people kind of slide that dial up and down individually and also collectively looking at a project. I find it fascinating. Um, it is infuriating. It can be mm. really inspiring, but I think that's just, yeah, there's some really particular energy that probably is difficult to capture in words or like recall for that. And yeah. that again is why I was just so grateful to be involved in Potterdo People's Library because I think um, 
you know, like collaboration is a thing that often, as a writer, I sort of think, oh, uh, you know, because I'm a, maybe I'm a control freak. I don't know. I, maybe I've got the <laughs> dial wound right up. But like, what I loved about that project was, I think it was the happenstance and the, you know, like what seemed really important was that we had a meal together. And what seemed really important is that we hung around on couches and sort of just chatted. And what seemed important was that we met with each other and talked. And I don't know, like, it, and like you say, um, and always it occurs to me every single time. Um, oh, sorry, I'm just going to have a bleep now is that it's really hard to make a, you know, like when you don't know what's going to happen, it's very hard to make a funding application or something like that. You know, it's very hard yeah. to sort of say, I'm not sure, nothing may happen, let's <laughs> see. And then, yeah. yeah. And I wondered if you would talk a little bit because you, how has your life been, what am I trying to ask? I guess I'm trying to say is how you sustain yourself. Like how do you, how do you keep this work happening? Like, um, you know, like how, well, I'm interested in always, always when I speak to people, I'm interested in how they feed themselves, how they, you know, that sort of thing. But also, how do you sustain this art? Like, how do you, how do you keep it going? That's a really big question. Yeah. <laughs> I just want you to put it in a box. Oh, okay. Well, I can talk real right now, I guess. Um, gosh, I do a lot of things, as you know. Um, <laughs> we're both like we have this what do you call it a portfolio crew. yeah yeah and a lot of things at the same time and yep. sort of as having arrived at this point like I've just had a recent um, sort of switching up of things this year but um, pretty much up until July this year I've been working pretty steadily as an independent full time artist and it's just also yeah lots of um I don't know, it's funny, people say, you know, and also talking to other busy people, they say, well, that's kind of good, because, you know, it's just like this energy that drives you forward, and I'm like, yeah, drives you forward, but... <laughs> <laughs> Towards the wall. Yeah, I guess it's, um, there's a lot of outward-facing energy, um, making sure that you have time to, like, um, check in and have inward-facing energy, and um, some of that quiet time is really nice, so it sounds kind of corny, but just nothingness is really good. Um, just a bit of calm. Um, it, we don't sort of tend to do that sometimes when we're just like trying to clock all the things that you do. Yeah. Which I think is kind of um, how it works. And usually when you get a good thing going, you're spinning your plates, people, you know, give you more plates to spin. <laughs> like you never look for these things, they're just some plates just keep getting thrown and you're spinning, you find yourself spinning more plates. <laughs> I used to, so, when I was yeah. hairdressing, I had this manager <laughs> and she used to say to me, oh, if I've got a job, I always give it to a busy person. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but that. actually, uh, yeah, I, I don't like that. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. But also, you know, <laughs> it makes me kind of happy as well. Yeah, true. I mean, it's this kind of tacit understanding that I think happens like quite often amongst people who are constantly spinning plates. And then I speak with some other friends who are like, actually, you know what? great you're spinning plates and I'm really happy that I'm not a plate spinner because you need me to not spin a plate so that I can come and enjoy and support you in other ways and I'm like yeah that is so good you know realize that not everyone has to spin plates and mm. that's really really awesome and valuable yeah I totally agree yeah. I totally agree um can you talk a little bit about um like um you did collaborate with um the designer Stu Forsyth mm. and I was just wondering hang on I just dropped something <laughs> uh, <laughs> so professional. Um, I was just wondering, what's it? Is design um, a, a, a profession where you are often collaborating? Like, how did that work with Stu? Yeah, I, I think it is. It's um, yeah, quite often you're you're working around sort of outcomes and 
communication uh, objectives, audiences, um, particular deliverables, like quite clear briefs that you can kind of shape and work on, um, sort of pulling on each other's strengths and uh, expertise, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's sort of template ways of working collaboratively in a design model or a design studio. Oh, I'm never one for convention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a really fluid kind of methodology. The um, yeah, the this sort of element of the publication, which is the viewfinder, that sort of pops yeah. out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just kind of, yeah, it comes out, and so that that conceptually was the last thing that I kind of offered about the idea of you know, sort of power and perspective, quite literally. someone who's on the same page quite literally <laughs> <laughs> like conceptually uh, sympathetic to to what you want so you know, that doesn't always happen sometimes it just you know you just have to make 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 it work yeah often, as yeah. I say in the biz <laughs> hey I've got one more question and it's one that I haven't formed very well um, but I'm just wondering, you talked about music earlier, but like whenever I think of you, I think of music, you know, that's often where I see you and, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm just wondering, it's a dumb question, but I just, I just, I just wondered how music kind of plays into your work. That's a dumb question, but it feels like an old lady question, but I just wonder, <laughs> I wonder, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, okay. How to talk about music in my work. Mm. Well, what about just music? Yeah. Why do you love so music? Why do you think... I know, I have friends who don't listen to music anymore, but I yeah. think you and I both do. I don't know. What do you reckon? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as much as I love silence and not listening to music and just, you know, the absence of sound or whatever that is, like, arguably, um, I feel music is an area that I have no ability in <laughs> in terms of performing. I'm not a musician, but I've been a, a music fan for as long as I can remember. Uh, it's been like a nice accompaniment to working, to making visual work. Mm. Uh, I think I've found a lot of inspiration in terms of um, its kind of structural um, Forms and aesthetics uh, within sound and the performativity aspect, which is um, quite different from publishing or design or visual art. I think, yeah, there's sort of, it's, I love the interpretations and the kind of um, the ability to claim it that everyone sort of, the uh, classic example is the soundtrack, like mm. or the mixtape where people kind of customize or curate sound to suit your life and how there's that freedom of um, um, adopting uh, music and um, making it make sense for you I guess like from classical music buffs to you know hardcore punk fans um, yeah everyone's kind of got their own sort of coda it becomes something that's you know kind of precious or some some form of um, uh, devotion, <laughs> which I really like. I, I think of one work where um, it's called I Sold My Heart to the Drunk Man, which was um, uh, at the Douse. So that's a song by Paddy LaBelle and the Bellbirds. It's like an old sort of um, 
yeah, 60s girl group song that's kind of cool, like, yeah, the junk man, he just collects all the junk and, um, you know, repurposes it in some ways, like thinking about that with my sort of collage montage practice, but just thinking about that giant large-scale mobile and, you know, thinking about the different elements, um, artifacts from my kind of teenage suburban childhood that kind of got re-transposed into, you know, sort of song, soundtracks, uh, yeah, so there's the sentiment in there, which I like, and, and also because people relate to it, you just end up making friends um, who yeah. are also music nerds, and you can nerd out about, like, albums and, you know, gigs and just various things. Just that mutual connection through fandom is, is pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think there's also something in that thing you say about, um, yeah, because I have absolutely no musical ability, and like, I think it is trying to understand the world through something that I don't necessarily have vocab for. Anyway, I think we've come to the end. Is there anything else you want to say? Oh, well, thank you so much for inviting me to speak. Oh, thank you for listening, and thank you for everyone for sitting in the sun. That was nice. Um, normally we do this in secret. Um, so it's quite weird being out in the public with the cars driving past. Yeah. and the wind blowing but yeah um thank you so much Kerry and I really appreciate it and yeah you're awesome thank you very much thank you Yay.